So, hey, we're in a series now called Gospel Deep, His Glory Lived Out. His Glory Lived Out. Like, hear me, Romans 1 through 11 is all about the awesomeness of God and what he's done for us and his sacrifice for us. And as the song just got done saying, how can it be so celebrating him? Romans 12 through 16 now. So, Lord, what can I do to worship you with my hands, with my feet, with my lips? What can I do to make it all about you? Gospel deep is glory lived out. All right. That's what we're talking through. And today we're specifically jumping in in Romans 13 here. And we're looking at, Lord, what does it look like to put you in charge? What does it look like for you to lead in my life? And a gospel deep, it's uh, letting God lead, living as God leads. So turn with me, if you will, to Romans 13, starting right in verse 1. We got ushers coming forward. They got Bibles in their hands. So if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll get one to you, all right? Just raise your hand. They'll get a Bible there as we jump into Romans 13. And uh, this is all about living under God's lead, allowing him to have preeminence in your life. First step. Sit under, uh, obey those in charge. It ultimately respects God. Uh, sit under, obey those in charge. It ultimately respects God. He starts out, let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Clear enough. It's pretty direct, pretty clear. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Subject like remaining under, listening to them, adhering to them. What do they say needs to be done? Follow through with them. All right. And uh, let every subject or let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. There is no authority except from God. There is no authority except that God put them there. Do you believe that? Yeah, that was a weak yes. Do you believe that? You're like, well, I'll say yes now. And I'll have to think about it. Every single authority in position because God placed them there. Unbelievers in a role that God's given them. Leadership. Yeah, God placed them there. And uh, this is a big deal, man. And we need to get this. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. There is no authority except from God. It will completely change how you approach working, approach working with leadership. When you sit down and you think this person placed there by God, my job is to respond to them as I would respond to God himself. And uh, everybody say that's a big deal. Doesn't get bigger than that. Time for us to sit under the leading hand of God. And he does lead through the leadership he has put in place. There is no authority except from God. Uh, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Those that exist have been instituted by God. All, right, those that exist, every single one of them, by God. Uh, how many instituted by God? All. Every single leader, every single position, every single place, all of the universe, God's sovereign hand on it. Again, I ask, do you believe that? 
It's a big deal moment. Isaiah 45, 7 says, God is sovereign over both the good and the bad. And God does work in this world and he's working with leaders. And you're like, not that leader, man. I'm seeing what he's saying and doing. There's no way God's working with that guy. I'm telling you, it says God has instituted them and put him in position. And God even knows when he's putting someone in position that's going to be disregarding him. And he's doing something in that. Hang on. And be very careful. Be subject to them. And uh, really, well, what if they ask me to start sinning? Well, what if them? What if they're like, violate God's law? Then we are allowed to say no. All right. Scripture's pretty clear in other spots in Colossians, Ephesians, where we're told we're doing these things as unto the Lord, right? So the, the serving unto the Lord is adhering to what he has to say as leaders direct to that. Okay. And so we are following through with him. If they're like, all right, business hasn't been going very well lately. So here's the plan. I need every one of you to rob at least one bank or store by the end of the day and get the money back to this business. Right? You're allowed to be like, I'm sorry, I'm going to rebel. Okay. You're allowed to be in that position. And standing against them as they ask for God to be violated. And that's one thing, all right? Uh, but oftentimes, it's more of a gray area. They're asking for you to do something that if you had your druthers, you wouldn't druther to go that way. I don't know if I'd go that way. That's really not the way I would think. You kind of see it as a, right? And then get ready because this is what we do. So now we convert it from gray to black and white. Now we're like, it's clearly sinful to go that way, right? So now I have to disagree with them and stand against them and not do what they say. And we convert gray areas into black and white all over the place and declare them sinful because actually we just didn't want it that way. And we head off in our own direction and stop being subject to the leaders in charge. Be careful. God's put all leaders in charge. That means all government officials. That means all government officials. That does mean, yes, if you're like, I'm sorry, I completely disagree with the health care reforms. That doesn't mean that President Obama wasn't put in position. And be careful. And it doesn't mean we don't have the right to speak, right? We're in a great country. We get the right to vote and speak to things. You have a chance to vote against some of that, and that's great. And you can take that position if you want, but be respectful and be careful. This is a position that God has put in place, and this is a man that God has put in the position. Let's be very, very respectful. Some of you are like, did they turn the air conditioning off in here? It's getting hot. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore... When we see the therefore, we say, what's the therefore, therefore? Like, what's its purpose? And so now he's giving us a connector. Here's some things I'm calling you to do. Uh, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. Whoever resists is resisting what God put in place. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Like if God put them all there and I'm like, I'm not listening to them. And well, then we're bucking against God himself. And it's a big deal moment. And uh, what if, what if I disagree with the way they're thinking and I don't understand it? And uh, well, I just wrote these things down. Two things. One is um, 
you may be wrong. Be careful. Uh, I don't agree with you. Well, God's placed them in charge and this is an area of call that's theirs and it's time to maybe sit under. You might be wrong. Give it some time. You might find out they were exactly right in what they were asking or leading in. Or, or here's another one. Have you ever noticed this? When God is actually leading through someone that may even not have the perspective that is in quotes correct. They might be quoting things off a little bit and misunderstanding and heading a direction. But God through that person is creating God's timing on an answer. Have you ever noticed that? That God literally delays things sometimes and moves things and adjusts things because that's what he wants done. We need to be very careful in that. And um, I decided to use an illustration uh, today at the nine o'clock. I was like, okay, I'll throw it in. Here we go. So you guys get to hear it too now. Ready? So a number of years ago, um, I was pastoring up north and uh, kind of helping out there in a kind of a, not a lead role, but just assisting the, as a pastor there at one of the harvests. And, and uh, there was some statements made about you're, you're not really probably ever going to be a senior pastor. Like that's not a way we're going to go and uh, probably not going to be a senior and uh, we're not going to head that route. And um, I could say as we talked it out, we disagreed a little bit, but there was a point where I was kind of like, hey man, I've had a career. I was in engineering for a long time and switched over and that's okay. If God decides to not send us down the path of senior pastor, then that's what he decides. And so we sat under well, I was like, Lord, here's my prayer. Whatever happens, may we honor this leadership. May we glorify you and what you, whatever you want me to learn, help me to learn it. However you want me to serve, help me to serve that way. And I'm just looking forward to it. It went about three and a half years that way. Three and a half to four years of just kind of sitting under and saying, okay, that may be the way it's going to go. Uh, all of a sudden they came back to me and said, hey, just so you know, our position has changed. Uh, we think you can be a senior pastor. And uh, here's the deal. Uh, we're going to put your name forward for this church down south, down in central Illinois. And that was Peoria. At the same time, God was stirring here and leadership here had gotten my name. Bizarre set of circumstances I won't go into, but they brought my name up. Same week, my leader up there and these guys down here bringing my name up. And does God have his hand on the timing? Be very, very careful. When you decide to buck against leadership because you think you know better, I'm just telling you. You are taking God's role into your hands. It's a bad moment. Everybody say that's a bad moment. Let us be subject to leadership in charge. All right? Very clear and uh, very direct. It says, therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. You know, like when you're talking back to your boss, and he's like, that's it. No raise this year. That would be incurring judgment, right? Or, or how about this? Fired. That would be incurring judgment, right? How about this one? Children with parents. You're grounded. Give me your phone. Incurring judgment, right? Leadership does have the responsibility to lead and they do call upon us to follow and there is in fact, a responsibility they have to make sure it happens. Are you hearing that? Everybody get this now. There is a responsibility leadership has to make sure what they said happens. Okay? Please don't start getting upset when they press in 
and it's you that's actually pressing against. They're like, we're going this way. And you're like, no, I'm not gonna. And then they start pressing on and you're like, what's up with that guy? And uh, he doesn't get it. And then he's mean to me, man. And uh, that's not being mean to you. That's being biblical, in fact, as they lead appropriately. All right. And uh, it says, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. You're like, I don't like this message today. Right. I understand it gets heavy. And there's a lot of heavy in this. And and uh, biblically, God's like trying to get pretty clear the whole leadership thing. And I don't know if there's a spot in all of the world compared to America that is more rebellious than America. We love the statement, freedom. And so then it means, I'll never listen to an authority. I must beat to my own drum, right? We've heard that phrase a million times. And just so you know, that's not biblical. And uh, sitting underneath leadership, respectful to what God's doing as he's working with those leaders and uh, helping out by listening and going where they're going. I don't know how many times I've heard somebody say, well, that might be your vision, but here's my vision. Well, that's great. And when you're in charge of something and have been respectfully asked to lead that vision, that's one thing. But when you're not, please jump on what's going on. And uh, it's a big deal, man. Following after what leadership is directing in and going after. And uh, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Like, do you want to kind of meet the authority figure and you're like not afraid? That sounds nice, doesn't it? And uh, he's got a solution. It's rocket science. Do what is good. And you will receive his approval. Like listen to what he has to say. Follow through with what leadership is saying and doing and directing in. And why should I do that? For he is God's servant for your good. We believe that. He's God's servant. Have you met my boss? I don't think he's God's servant, man. I don't think he cares what God has to say about anything. And, um, and that's not what scripture says. God's placed him there. God's doing something. He's placed that man in that position. He's placed that woman in that position, depending on what it is and what the job is and what's going on and the leadership and the responsibility that's taking place. And God's got his hand on it. Be careful. We start bucking against as if we know better. And we literally are saying, God, forget you. I'm not listening. And uh, all right. He says here, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid for he does not have the sword in vain for he is the servant of God an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Wow. This just keeps getting happier and happier. And uh, do you understand that God has placed leadership in place and part of his measure of where you're at with him is, are you following those leaders? It's that simple. And, uh, very basic, very direct. All right. Top three reasons that I want to disobey leaders and believe I'm okay to do it when I'm wrong. All right. These are the, hey man, I can disobey and it's completely wrong. Okay, here we go. Number one. Uh, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. 
I'm not interested in doing what you have to say. I want to see it look more like this. Your position, my position. I don't want to. That's where I'm at. All right. And uh, everybody say that's a bad position. Okay. I don't want to is not an acceptable spot to start rebelling against your authorities. All right. And um, kids, hear me on that one. I, I, I don't want to. That's not an acceptable moment to buck against mom and dad. All right. I don't want to. It's the time we start speaking against and we're trying to find our own selves and like I need to be a little independent. And so if you're in this room, that probably means you're sitting in seventh grade, eighth grade or above. And uh, are you loving pushing against? Be careful. That's pushing against God's leadership. Your parents represent God into your life in every way. Huge deal. All right. So first one, I don't want to. Second lame reason. Uh, I know better. If you had my perspective, if you could see it the way I see it, then, then you would agree with me. So no, I'm not going to listen to you. You don't have my perspective and you won't even listen to me. So no, I'm not listening to you. I'm going to do my own thing. And I can't tell you how often that gets someone in trouble where you are in judgment sitting on someone saying, I think your information is weak and I think your stance is wrong. And so I stand against you on that. And um, be careful. Those are moments where you are directly defying authority. Uh, I don't want to. I know better. Uh, here's a great one. I do not respect you. I don't respect the way you live your life. I don't respect the value system you have. You don't even know Jesus Christ as your savior. Clearly, I shouldn't follow you. Be careful with following your bosses at work and you're like, I'm not going to listen because they're not a believer and be careful. And uh, I don't respect you. Uh, you quote verses, but it's from the wrong version of the Bible. I have the right version when I quote. I use the ESV and you don't use the right Whatever we can use, we start finding ways to not respect them. Because if we don't respect them, we think we can dismiss them. Right? Yeah, I don't want to. I know better. Um, I don't respect you at all. Those are all terrible reasons for not following through. Notice they all start with the word I. Hear me on this one. What are you hearing me? If you are not following your authority. They're not asking you to sin. It's gray area of this situation at best, or maybe even it's just direction from them. They have perspective and you will not follow your authority. You ready? You are rebelling against God himself. Romans 13. He has instituted leadership. To buck against it is to buck against God himself. Don't kid yourself. I have heard this statement a lot. Me and God are good. Me and that leader, we're not good. That doesn't go together. To rebel against authority is to rebel against God, period. One more time. To rebel against authority when they're not calling you to sin is to rebel against God. It doesn't mean you can't have a conversation. It doesn't mean you can't chat and talk things out. But if they're like, I'm serious, this is my position, 
then that's it, man. And uh, trust me, I've lived it out. Uh, 17 years in engineering, and I've had a lot of experiences where I've come forward and said, hey, man, I could see us going this way, and what do you think of? And here'd be a great option. And they're like, no. This is the way we're going. And my job is to get back under and make that other project happen well. Responding well to your boss. Responding well to your spouse. Responding well to your parents. Uh, I would even say this. Uh, yeah, this does include church leadership too. And uh, that's it. I knew it. He was going to get to it sooner or later. Had to preach all the Romans just to get to this passage. And, and uh, please hear me on this. This is my heart on it. We love you guys like crazy. And we love the Lord and we're going after him with all we've got. Humbly trying to go after him. We're willing to hear, but I'm telling you we're passionate about where we're headed. Please hear me on that. Come join us. Let's work together. I'm telling you, we got a humble staff. We've got a humble elder board. I love what God is doing in this place. It's pretty easy to follow as we follow after the Lord. Let's jump in together and let's make much of him. All right. He actually says here, um, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. An avenger. You remember that word from last week? It says, do not avenge. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. What's up with that? How can he say now there's an avenger and it's this leader over here? And be careful. What's the leader avenging? Who is the leader avenging? Notice what it says. He's an avenger of God's wrath. He's representing God. God uses human leadership to actually exercise out some of his wrath, some of his leadership into the community. Okay, make sure you understand that leadership does represent some of what God's doing with his vengeance is mine, says the Lord moment. And uh, it's a big deal. It says, therefore, one must be subject. Uh, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. Two values in following through with what your leader has to say. Number one, God's wrath is appeased, right? It's set aside. It's not God pouring out on you. And number two. You're not walking around with this heavy conscience. Oh, smart mouth in my leadership. And I know it's wrong, but I can't figure out. And they're wrong here. And maybe I should have. And the conscience just starts eating at you. And uh, you get to set all that aside. And um, There's value in following after leadership. One must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, and then he gives a list here. You also pay taxes for the authorities and Ministers of God's, uh, for they are authorities and ministers of God's, attending to this very thing. What do we pay? He says now after it. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes is owed. Respect or revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. And honor to whom honor is owed. Pay what's owed. Work with them and follow them. You know what? The government's taking way too much money nowadays. That's it. I'm going to take my papers. I'm going to adjust a little bit of my income thing. They're not going to know what, they're not going to catch that piece because it's not tracked in paperwork the way that they would follow it. So I'm going to reduce it so I can pay less tax because let's be honest, they have enough of my money. And uh, is that right? And that was a great moment to speak up. (laughs) Is that right? Not at all, right? Be very careful. We have authorities put in place by God himself and we have a responsibility 
to be following through with listening to him. All right. Taxes, revenue, some cash flow elements that are involved. And then he goes into respect and honor. Careful how you talk about leadership. Respect and honor. Don't get caught in the water cooler talk that's going to take you down where you're jamming on the boss and you're not paying respect. Those are good moments to walk away. It's okay to do it. Find a cool and classy way to do it if you want to, but get out of there. Watch out for the words being done. All right. Following through. It's a huge deal. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to tell you, some of us are like, yeah, but you don't. I mean, look at how bad this is being. The country's going to pot, man. And just so you know, this was written in about 56 to 58 AD. Nero had just taken over. All right. And Nero, he's the guy who was known for like killing Christians and burning them in his garden because he needed light at night. Right. This is a, this is the guy they're saying you show respect, man. You honor the leadership and you follow and obey for God's sake. He's put him there. God put Nero there. Yeah. God put President Obama there. Yeah. God put my boss in front of me. God put my impact group leader over me. Yeah. Time for us to follow. All right. So I was looking for an illustration this week and I found this training in the midst of it and what God's doing. Uh, Arabian horses, when they're trained, they are trained for unbelievable obedience. All right. Because didn't really think about it before, but Arabian horses, I know what they look like, but Arabian horses are in the, well, they're in the Arab deserts, right? And so they need to train them well. And so they would really train these horses to respond to the leader, to the owner with high obedience. He had to respond. And so the final test would actually be after running these horses hard and long. They're overheated. They are really exhausted. Time for some water, big time. They release them to head for like a creek or a pond, whatever it is. The horses are running to get the drink and the owner stands back up. Blows the whistle twice, calling them to return. The horse must skid to a stop, turn around, and run back to that leader. They would get there, and they're panting and literally shaking. They were so close to what they know they need. Shaking, waiting. That's the pass of the test, trusting the leader. Why is that a big deal? Because in the deserts, there's mirages all over the place. And they'll think they're running to water, and they're not. They need to trust the owner and what he says to do. Absolute must to follow through. Are you bucking against your leadership? Are you seeing a mirage and running to it and not listening to your final authority, God himself? Is it all about your perspective on life and you know what's right? Time to set it down and obey your God and listen to him. It might not seem right in the moment. God knows what he's doing. You listen to the authorities in charge and you let God lead. Deep breath. You ready? Now answer me. Are you ready? It's time, man. It's time to listen to parents and teachers and pastors and your bosses and government officials and it's time we cannot kid ourselves we are bucking against god when we buck against authority in front of us there is no getting around it all right that's first 
Number two, reach out. Love others well, it ultimately follows God's law. Reach out. Love others well, it ultimately follows God's law. Uh, This covers really the end of Romans 12 from last week, and so we can move through it pretty quickly here. But notice he says, owe no one anything. All right? Some people quote this, and they're like, owe no one anything. You know, don't have a mortgage. Just so you know, that's not at all what this passage is talking about. Not at all. Look at the verses right before it. It says, pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Are you hearing it? So there's this bigger concept of what I owe. I owe property tax on my home twice a year. I owe income taxes once a year. I There's things I'm going to owe along the way. Make good on that debt. That's what he's saying. All right. If you have a mortgage, make good on those debts. It's not blowing off the payments and trying to keep the money for self. And right. You've made an agreement. Now live that out. And obviously in the midst of it, the lowest amount of debt you can live on is awesome. That's great. But hear me. This passage does not say thou shalt have zero financial debt. That's a real miss on what the thing's talking about. It's is your heart to sit under leadership and pay them what's due them. That's what's going on. All right. Owe to no one anything. Here we go. Except to love each other. For the one who loves another has followed the law or fulfilled the law. Except to love each other. That one you'll owe for life. Do you get that? That's a debt you'll owe for all of eternity. You'll never be able to pay it back. Why? Because Jesus Christ has done for you what you could never do. Because the payment on the cross has gone so beyond anything you could have ever handled. And it's done for you. God demonstrated his love for you in that while you were yet a sinner rebelling against him, Christ died for you. He loved you. He lavished on you an unbounded love that just keeps on giving for all of eternity. That's our king as he's poured into your life. Now hear me. Go and do likewise. Love those around you. Keep loving on them as Christ has loved on you. Let that gospel deep moment rock you to the core and start loving those around you with all you've got. Love those. He says, for it has fulfilled the law. This is a moment where we need to grasp the Old Testament was giving commands, right? And Christ, when he was asked, hey, what's the greatest commandment? He's like, well, the first is love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. That's the first commandment. And that's a great one. And it actually fulfills the Ten Commandments. You know, some of the commandments are like, do not um, take the Lord's name in vain. Love the Lord your God. Right? And do not put another God before him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. Right? So that piece is actually fulfilling the God parts of the commandments. And then there's the man parts of the commandments. He actually says them right after it here. He says, for the commandments, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And any of the other commandments. Well, they're summed up in these words. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Are you hearing it? The Old Testament commandments are being fulfilled as you love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Get passionate about your worship. Have it fill you to the rim and start spilling over. Care for those around you. And I'm telling you, you're fulfilling the commandments. But here's the clue, all right? The Old Testament, all about the action. The New Testament, all about the heart. See, first he called us to the action so we'd recognize we're coming up short. Now he's explaining where the problem is. 
heart. May we have a love for our God and a love for our neighbors, our love for those around us, all right? Absolutely caring for people around us. It says, you shall love your neighbors yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. What is this love? How do I even describe it? Last week we said, look, it's, it's not motivated by the word should, right? Like, oh, I guess I should go over there and help them out. Fine. I'll go help them. Great. Right? The should moment where somehow in the midst of it, we think we're doing well because we at least checked the box on the action, but our heart isn't anywhere near it. Instead of saying the word should, how about the word could? This could be a great opportunity to let them know how much I love them, how much God loves them. Opportunistic thinking. God, what could you be doing in this? And I'll take care of this. And maybe you could speak into love. Motivated by the word could, not the word should. And then I just wrote these down. Uh, biblical definition, 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Just think about you and one that you've had a battle with recently. Ready? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love does not brag. It is not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness. But love does these things. It rejoices with the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. Endures all things. Love never fails. Do that to those around you. Patient, kind, tender, not provoked. Bearing all things, believing all things, hoping all things, leaning in with them, caring for them with all you've got. Love. It does fulfill an Old Testament command. It does make much of God and his commands. And uh, this past week has been a crazy week of emotional ride. And uh, last week we talked about love in this uh, body here as we walked through the end of Romans 12. And uh, there were people getting real, I mean, right away, man. We had tears in this space as we talked about who we should be loving, who we should be getting it right with, and who we should be making much of and, and getting things restored with. And somewhere in the hallway getting things cleared up, somewhere in the offices getting things cleared up. And I'm just telling you, we had people getting things cleared up, tears and joy and reconciliation as God was made much of and his scripture was followed. And it was a sweet moment right then, and it's been going on all week long, too, as people went after getting some things restored. And uh, we also had a very tender time uh, this week as we had um, a funeral here for a family devastated, a mom, 34 years old, who lost her husband, her partner, her spouse, her rock. Just a tender time, a hurting time. And that family is in dire need. Please be praying still for Joel Stanfield's family and the strength there. We get through things faster and all of a sudden we step out and move on. It will be years of time. Please be praying for that family. Be hurting with that family. See needs in there. And I'm telling you this, that need, that hurt, there's more than just that one family in this body. We have a lot of need and hurt like that. Please be looking to your left and looking to your right. Please be listening in your impact group. Please be caring for the people around you as they walk through the hurts of life. May we love 
one another with all we've got pouring it on the line. So how about you? Who's God calling you to love? Who's God calling you to get it right with? It's time, man. Don't toy around. Don't let it go another week. Follow your God's lead and go get things restored with someone. Go care for someone. May God truly have a speak in your life on that. All right? So first, sit under. Second, reach out. Third, wake up. Walk in the light, not in the flesh. It ultimately honors Jesus. Walk in the light, not in the flesh. It ultimately honors Jesus. And to wake up, he says, uh, besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. You hearing it? It's like, dude, your alarm clock's going off. So he said, wake up, man. Do you hear what's happening? The beeping nonstop is your alarm. Hit it. Stop hitting snooze. It's time to get up. It's time for us to go after what our king is calling us to. He says that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. So like when you first believed there was salvation that was now declared for you. But now that you've gone, you know, it's been a couple days since I was saved. Well, then you're two days closer to salvation being meted out. I was saved a decade ago. Then you're 10 years closer to salvation being meted out. The measure of our call to action is that he has worked in our life. He has done something. I am saved. I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. And it's all him pouring into my life. Lord, may I constantly be running for you and your glory. Salvation, man. Have you ever noticed this in scripture? It really has two tenses to it. Saved, like in the moment. As I believe and confess and trust in Christ in that moment, he declares me righteous. He says, this one is righteous. I will work in them now to make it true. There is therefore now no condemnation to those saved, believing in him, right? Saved. It's an in the moment thing. The Holy Spirit taking up residence. God doing much of a work in us. But salvation also has a future moment. A moment where God will be meeting out his wrath against those who do not trust in him as savior. A moment where it will be devastating, horrifying for them as they stand before the almighty and his wrath. And get this. It's that moment where we literally get to step around to the side and step up to the throne of the almighty king. As the light is beaming down, as his glory is pouring on, as his holiness is being revealed, and you're dropping to your knees in utter worship, tears coming down, celebrating your God, salvation has come. I am with my king for all eternity. I have sidestepped what is that I rightly deserve. And my God will be worshipped. That is what we're talking about. Amen. Man, I'm telling you, he says salvation is nearer to us now. Man, when is he coming? Well, the apostle Paul was as clear as he knew. Uh, Well, you're two days closer. Uh, The next day went by, then you're a day closer. That's all we know right now. We do know this. God is doing something huge and salvation is nearer every moment we live. Praise be to God. The clock is on. The alarm clock is buzzing and it's time for us to get it on for our king. He says, the night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Have you ever noticed this? 
that more of the grievous dark sin goes on at night when darkness is around. Have you ever noticed that? More robberies, all that kind of stuff. And part of that's probably because, you know, we're not working or whatever, and so we got idle hands and we get ourselves into trouble. But part of it, too, is we like the darkness. We like the darkness because I can take my darkness out into the darkness and I can get away with the darkness. You know what I'm saying? We think we're getting away with something and we try to live for ourselves in the moment. And he says, don't do that. Put on the armor of light instead. This armor, it's the same word that's used in in, uh, Ephesians 6. The belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and the sword of the spirit and the helmet of salvation and our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And men, we're running after worshiping and serving our king. Every day we get up, we're considering who we are in him. That's what the armor is. I have a holiness that's him alone in my life. I have a word of God that gives me truth and I have a salvation that only he can provide. And this is what my God has done for me. Lord, may I worship you now. And every moment we decide to take a step for him is a moment we can honor him. It says, uh, let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in. And then he gives a list. Okay. This is a list of knots. Everybody say not. This is what we're not going to be in, all right? Now, the ESV uses a word here. It says orgies. And in fact, that word originally, it meant a giant celebration after a military victory that usually went unwound. It ended up in wild drinking and carousing and uh, rioting and sexual misconduct. And, and so they grabbed the word orgy to go after. The King James used the word rioting. The New American Standard used the word carousing. All of those are accurate. They're what happened in the midst of this unwound celebration that became all about you. Okay, he's like, don't get into that. That's the list that starts here. All right. And uh, and then he says drunkenness. You know, that's where you like the alcohol to a level where it, it uh, taints your ability to think. Your ability to walk and move clearly. Drunkenness. You literally take it to an excess and want it and go after it. It's habitual and it's killing you. And uh, needs to stop. It says, not in sexual immorality. This is when you're sleeping with someone, not your spouse. Maybe you're unmarried, maybe you're married, but their person is clearly not your spouse. Uh, sensuality, where you have a lusting and a longing and a hungering within to do what's wrong, usually means a sexual uh, sensuality. And you're going after that and it's destroying you. Uh, you're not putting it down and shutting it off. Instead, you're trying to feed it. Quarreling. This is when you want to have the last word. You know what I'm talking about? Like I'm talking to them so I can win. Quarreling. Quarreling is not, I want to try to understand you. Quarreling is, I will have the last word. Quarreling. I'm right, you're wrong. You speak again, I'll say those words again. Quarreling. And uh, jealousy. I don't want to share what I have and I don't want to give it out and I don't want anybody to be blessed by what I have. I want it for me. Holding it unto self and... Please hear me. There are a lot of people in this room that are allowing the darkness to take its toll. And you're missing out. You're missing out on the awesome glory of God pouring over your life and the value of being able to know him. It needs to be done. Set it aside. I'm not talking about muscling it and faking it. I'm talking about really meeting your God and saying, okay, Lord, then take this. Then, then I want it gone, Lord. You've got it. 
Time for me to be listening to my authorities. Time for me to be hearing from you. Time for me to not go after just what feels good in the moment, but what literally celebrates you and your glory. And uh, it says here what we should do instead. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I think that's the best definition for Romans 13 right there. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Clothe yourself with the King Jesus, man. Make it much of his character, make it much of his glory, making much of himself that God who has done a work for you now literally gets a say in your life and he begins to transform you from one degree of glory to the next. May your king have his way with your soul. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ dressed with his unbelievable character, looking like him, conformed to him. May God be made much of. And then it says at the end, and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Make no provision for the flesh. Like, how do I do this thing? Scripture's pretty clear. You have temptation going on in your life. You need to run. Are you hearing me? When we ask the question of what's the best way to fight temptation, invariably the answer comes back, stand firm. Uh, that is not biblical. Stand firm against the devil. Flee from youthful lusts. Get out of the room when temptation's eating you alive. God has provided a way to escape. Take it. Get out. Do not make provision. Dude, I can't handle the computer at night. Shut it off and get with thine spouse. Right? It's the most King James you'll hear from me today. I'm telling you, be done with it. It's time to make much of what God wants done. And you need to be out of the room. I can't handle the alcohol. It's eating me alive. You're done drinking. It's over. Clear enough? I can't handle it. Then it's done. And please hear me. I'm not saying alcohol is wrong. You should never drink. I'm Right? Please don't write me the emails. I know what the passages say. Drunkenness is wrong. Can't handle it is what's wrong. If it's eating you up, you're done. Get out of the room. Okay. Well, my friends all drink. Well, they're not friends with you then. They're taking you down, dude. It's over. It's time to make much of your God. It's time to put him in charge. Do not make provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Don't listen to the hungers panging inside. May Jesus Christ get the glory. It's time to put him on and go after him with all we've got. It's the simple when Christ is being glorified in your life, you will be obeying leadership. You'll be hearing what they have to say and following with them. You'll be looking for those to love around you. You'll be longing for holiness to be expressed in your life. The darkness is done. He has brought it on. May absolute light be glorifying to him as you live it out for him. It is time for your king to be glorified. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, Amen. let's pray.